Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There was not the intervention of human beings. It was a work of the Holy Spirit, divine. And people where it was legitimate, a gift of God was given. So I would encourage you this, right? It's, I think what happens with the gifts that are abused, people get turned off and they're not open to it. Now, this gets made fun of, but it's a real gift of God. Every gift of God is a good thing. So you should seek the Lord for it. You say, God, do I have this? Is this something you want to give me? Is this something that you would be glorified through in my life? While many are under the impression that the gift of tongues is controversial, Paul makes it very clear that it's legitimate. In his letter to the Corinthians, he goes into detail so as to make sure there's no confusion about this gift of the Holy Spirit. In today's message, Pastor Bill will further unpack this seemingly bizarre gift that has stirred quite the mix of emotions in countless believers. In his study, you'll learn that just as with any gift, Prayers of discernment and guidance from God are crucial. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. What's the test of a prophecy? Rather, it comes to pass. And it has to come to pass exactly as it was said or was not from God, because God can't lie. So if somebody give a prophetic word and it, it, it well, kind of happen, sort of. Some people give real safe prophetic words. God's going to bless you. Ain't I blessed every day? I mean, I woke up blessed. I'm breathing blessed. I, I got food blessed. I mean, you know, real generic. When I look in scripture, again, prophecies were very specific. They were things that could be verified or denied. Now, that it, it, it happened or it didn't happen. This time tomorrow, you know, when 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 Abraham was told or Sarah, this time next year, y'all gonna have a baby. That either gonna happen or not gonna happen. It's just a, there's no if ands or but next year. This year, this time she's on swole. Or it didn't happen, you know, but, but you know, you can verify it. So that's another gift. And so what I encourage people in the body, and I, I said this last time, with regard to these sort of gifts, people have to exercise faith. Every gift requires faith as a, as a point of beginning. And so if I have gotten a prophetic word, something God has put on my heart, now I've got to step out in faith to share it. Or it's just sewn away here. And I told you guys last time we talked about this. I can't stand them after the prophecy been fulfilled prophets. Those are the people that come after. You know what the Lord told me that was going, man, go on with that. You know, it, it's, you, you can't even say it afterwards. You know, yeah, the, I knew that was the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me. You become an after event prophet. If you ain't say nothing before and you don't deserve to claim it afterwards. So, but if, if that has happened where God's giving you something, you didn't say nothing and it happened, it should be for you something that lets you know that, you know what, that was the Lord. And next time I need to step out in faith. Because if God gives you a word, it's always for the benefit of, it's, it's for the edification of somebody and for the glory of God. It's not for nothing. It's going to edify somebody and God's going to get the glory for it if we use it the way he called us to use it. So moving on now, it says, to another discerning of spirits. This is the ability to tell the difference between truth and error. Between something that's from God and something that's not from God. And one of the best illustrations of this, you, you can write down in your notes, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. And in that section of scripture, as Paul was going about ministering in a, in a particular city, a woman came behind him and started following him. And as she followed Paul, she said, these men are men of God and they speak the truth. Everything she was saying was correct. Then it said, Paul greatly annoyed, turned around and cast the demons out of her. She was demon possessed. 
And he discerned the spirit that even though what she was saying was all correct, he discerned that the spirit was incorrect, that it was said by. And this is why that was so important. Paul was passing through that area and winning people to the Lord. Now, what if what if she started to look like she's part of the team? Now, when Paul goes, they'll say, hey, you were with them. And now somebody demon possessed got access to all God's people. Paul said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure everybody here knows that was the devil. And he cast it. They cast the demon out. So now she might be good now. She might she might be able to speak the truth in reality now, but he, he pointed out, how did he know that? How did that's the that's the discerning of spirits where you're able to discern beneath the surface. Someone that looks right, does all the right things, says all the right things, and somehow through the supernatural gift of discerning of spirits, you can see beneath the surface that it's not right. This person's not right. There's something not right about this. And and deal with it. That that is for the again, even that is for the benefit of the body. It might seem like mean or that's you know somebody's feelings might get hurt but that's for the edifying of the body and the glory of God just the same so moving on now it says to another different kinds of tongues and then to another the interpretation of tongues and so tongues seems to be that one gift where there is so much division and disagreement within the church as to what is how to use it what's the purpose of the gift of tongues so first, let's look at what is the gift of tongues. Then we'll look at how we're supposed to use it. And pretty much all of chapter 14 is dedicated to dealing with this. So we'll, we'll kind of scratch the surface today. When we get to chapter 14, we get all the rules concerning the operation of tongues in the church setting. So the gift of tongues is this. It's a personal prayer language of prayer given by God where a believer can communicate to God beyond the limits of their knowledge. And so it's, a, again, a supernatural gift. It's the, a, someone's, a personal prayer language, some people call it, given by God, where a believer can communicate beyond, beyond the, the limits of their own understanding. So like other gifts, tongues or praying in tongues requires faith. I pray in tongues. So I remember when I first was going through, I went through all the gifts. I asked for every single one of them. I prayed for each one of them. And sometimes in order to know you have a gift, you got to step out in faith and try it. So I, I can tell you I've tried all of them. I said, be healed. Nope, not, not like that. But I, I, I was, if I had it, I was going to find out. You know, I, I've, uh, I actually went out one day and I looked for some people that needed to be healed. I said, I'm going to just go pray for all this. See if people get healed. Uh, I, I've gone out evangelizing. I've gone out doing different things. So I said, God, I'm going to just pray for tongues and see. And, and God began to give me, I believe the Holy, through, through the Holy Spirit, God gave me, it was like little phrases in tongues. And in my natural mind, it sounds ridiculous. It's like, this sounds foolish. But God was giving me phrases. And I was just, I was open. I just let the Lord, I just let that develop, let that go. It's, it's a part of my private prayer life. So here goes the, the issue with tongues. There are some groups that believe that it is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. That that, that is how you know that you have the Holy Spirit. We don't believe that. What is the evidence of a person being filled with the Spirit? What's the evidence that you can't fake? Anybody know? Say it loud. Fruit. Fruit. You can't fake fruit for long. So if you're filled with the Spirit, then you go look at the fruits of the Spirit. Love, patience, gentleness, self-control, kindness, faithfulness, peacefulness. You look at those things, you can't fake that. You can, you can put on for a little bit. But a person full of the Holy Spirit, that's what's going to be coming out. That's a fruit coming out of their life. Can, can you fake tongues? You better believe it. I believe that most of what we see as tongues is faith. 
Um, people just are in church settings where everybody is, you know, at, at a certain time, the cadence of the music goes, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's time for people to get up and dance and shout, and everybody starts sounding, do the same thing. And I believe that a lot of what we see as tongues or whatever is just people copying what they've already seen or been exposed to, um, not even maybe a real manifestation. What's the purpose of tongues, first of all? And we'll, again, we'll get into that more detail in chapter 14, but this is it. It's Paul, when he speaks in chapter 14, says, when you, when you pray in tongues, who are you praying to? To God. You're speaking to God and not to men. And so if I pray with us as a congregation and I pray in English, you guys can hear what I'm praying for and agree with me, and we can all say amen together, be in agreement. If I speak in an unknown tongue, be it another language, be it just, if I speak in tongues, you guys don't know what I've said, and I just go off in tongues for a little while, can you agree with me? Have you been edified in any way? Have you been helped? Is God glorified? No, 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 and no. If the goal of every gift is to glorify God and edify the believer, tongues is unique in that it's the one gift that's for the personal edification of the believer. And that's why we encourage people in your prayer life, in your private prayer life, you should be praying in tongues. If tongues is, someone prays in tongues in the assembly, in a gathering like this, that then the follow-up gift, which is the gift of interpretation, where someone's able to interpret what was just said to God. Someone prays in tongues, we'll wait for interpretation, someone interprets, this is what they just said, then we can all say amen. As Paul gives the instructions for that in, in chapter 14, he's only two or three at the most, and one at a time. So, what is this business about churches where everybody gets up at one time and just starts going off in tongues? Is that biblical? Is that correct? That's wrong. It's incorrect. Uh, and it's weird. And you let some believer come in, and they're going to be like, what is this? I'm out of here. This is weird. You know, that's exactly what happened. I shared it last time. I took my sister somewhere, and it was supposed to be Wednesday night Bible study, and it ends up being the pastor got after worship. He said, everybody just, let you, everybody pray in your prayer language. I was like, no. And everybody started going, all through the room, everybody just started going. My sister's like, can we go eat now? I don't, she didn't want to, she was like, we, we're done. And I was so, I was like, I'm embarrassed. She think I'm at a acoustic, I'm, she probably think I'm on went kooky now. No one was edified, built up, challenged, taught. And so we, we want to recognize that the gift of tongues, it, it is for the personal edification. What kind of tongue is it? In chapter 13, which is a direct follow-up with the context, Paul says, if you pray with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, it is nothing. So we believe that tongues can be in a language that's unknown to the person speaking it. It could be the tongues of angels. The bottom line is it's a tongue that the person speaking it doesn't know. It's not something that they, it's not a language that they know. They're praying in an unknown tongue. But God, the Holy Spirit, is able to give intercession and interpret it. It's for my personal edification. I'm able to pray to God beyond the bounds of my personal knowledge or what, what my what words could, what I could say. I can worship the Lord in that way. And so now what about this? Because someone would say, well, is it fair? I mean, what if this person has to get the three in the tongues and then I don't? Then it looks like they have a better advantage in prayer and communication with God than I do. I'm going to tell you why that's not true. Because in Romans... Paul said this. Paul says that the spirit will make intercession for you with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Some people take that word groanings and try to make it tongues. But you look up that word groanings in the Greek and you know what it means? Groanings. I mean, that means that you can live this. Look it up. It's that simple. You look the word up in the Greek and it groanings means groaning. It's not Galatia. It's not the word for tongues. It's groanings. So that means this. That means that if I'm just feeling it, I can just come before the Lord and just go. 
And God is making intercession with groanings. I don't believe that I don't have to speak a language. I don't believe that someone with tongues has an advantage over someone else in terms of being able to come before the Lord and just just communicate beyond words. I'm out of words. I'm just silent before the Lord right now. I'm just meditatively before the Lord. So it doesn't become this gift where, like it does in some circles, where in churches where people treat it like it's the evidence, then everybody in their own pride, the spiritual pride, I got to have the evidence. And so even if you don't have it, there are people that will teach you how to do it. You can, you come up from prayer after church in some places. I, I've been in one where, you know, you want, I want a prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. And so you put your hands up and they say, just pray. You pray and then they start telling you, all right, just, just, just let the Lord and nothing's happening. Or just they start giving you phrases, you know. Say, say this. Say, you know, shoulda bought a Honda. Say, say it faster. Shoulda bought a Honda. Shoulda bought a Honda. You know, and they just and now, oh, there it is. We, you know, you got tongues, and you now keep doing practice. We practice at home or whatever. When you're reading scriptures and people receive the gift of tongues, nobody taught them. There was not the intervention of human beings. It was a work of the Holy Spirit, divine, and people where it was legitimate, a gift of God. It was given. So I would encourage you this, right? It's I think what happens with the gifts that are abused, people get turned off and they're not open to it. Now, this gets made fun of, but it's a real gift of God. Every gift of God is a good thing. So you should seek the Lord for it. You say, God, do I have this? Is this something you want to give me? Is this something that you would be glorified through in my life? And uh, we want to be open to everything that God has for us. Amen. So now let's let's move beyond this. So we looked at some of the specific gifts. Now it says this in verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so it says it's God who works in all of this and all the gifts. He's the one that decides who gets what. So God's given me particular gifts and God's given each one of you that are believers particular gifts and thereby his choosing. So I don't necessarily get to pick and choose what I want to be or what I want to have. I can seek the Lord for what I have, but God said I've given each one as I will certain gifts. Um, there may be gifts that are very desirable to you. You can ask for it, but at the end of the day, you better take what you got and, and let the Lord be glorified through it. The gift that uh, that I'm most in awe of is the gift of evangelizing, the evangelism. Whenever I see like Greg Laurie or Billy Graham or guys and you see them preaching and thousands get saved, it, it, it makes me, if I'm not, I don't get emotional about a lot of things. Every time I watch that, I, I start crying, I get all, I'm, that's a so amazing to me that the gift that's in them as they speak the gospel with such clarity and, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit, a gift of God that people get it, understand, are convicted and, and they come and they get saved. That's, that's amazing. And I don't have that gift, but I, I love it. I watch it. I'm like, man, that is, woo, we need that. We need people with that thing in the body. Now I got my particular gifts. I can love that gift and want that gift, but if I don't have it, it would be foolish for me to spend the rest of my life trying to get in stadiums. I would get everybody to the stadium and I'm going to try again. And then nobody comes. It <laughs> didn't work again. We, it's the wrong stadium. We're going to try it over there. That's what some people do. They spend their whole Christian life trying to get what God didn't give them rather than recognize, you know what? God called me to teach. So let me get somewhere and be teaching and be faithful. With that. That's my gift. What is God giving you? What gift do you have? And are you exercising it for the glory of God and the edification of the body? Is your gift blessing other Christians and glorifying God? If it is, continue to use it in that way. And if, if not, then don't be beat up, but be challenged today. Be encouraged today that, you know what, God's given me something that would glorify him and edify others now. And I need to, I need to operate it. I need to use it in a way that, that does just that. So 
Again, he says, he distributes them to each one individually as he wills. And then verse 12, he says, for as the body is one, as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And as we talked about the gifts and the thing that people divide over, God says, hey, my body is just one. When Jesus comes back for his church, he's not coming back for the Baptists, the Kojiks, the this group and the that group. He's coming back for one church. Who makes up the church? Everyone that believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone that believes that he died on the cross, rose from the grave, is coming back again. All those that have believed in him, he's coming back for. And there's, there's, you know, we, we, we do it different. I recognize I got brothers in Christ, pastor friends and everything else that they saved, but they, they do it different than I do it. I'm not that. I don't believe the body of Christ is just those that believe everything exactly the way I do. I'm affiliated with Calvary Chapel. I don't think the body of Christ is just Calvary Chapel. That would be foolish. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than any of us. It's worldwide. It's everyone that's bowed the knee, everyone that worships Jesus. It's, a, it's huge. And so I want to make sure that in my leadership and in my heart that I'm never a part of dividing the body. Where I will make divides is when there are people that claim to be a part of the body that do things that are a detriment to the body, misleading the body, false teachers within the so-called church. I'll make divides there because Jesus did, Paul did, and I believe that we're to make a, we're, we're to do the same thing. But he says, hey, there's, we're one body with many members. In our little church here, even within our leadership and those that are serving with us, we got a lot of different kind of people, different kind of personalities, different kind of makeups. And God says, I want you guys to all come together and function as one. Something that the world can't do. Something that in the world, people won't come together. They won't, they won't come together with different groups and love each other with real love and deal with each other and put up with different kind of people. But the church should be different. This should be a place where different cultures different kinds of people, different personalities, different emotional makeups, that we can come together and love Jesus so much that we overlook each other's flaws and issues. The Bible says that the, the that it's love will cover a multitude of sins. And so that's how we can come together and function as one. That's what God desires. That's his heart. The church is most powerful when it's unified. And it's most in, ineffective, impotent, powerless when it's divided. And so whenever you get a group of Christians fighting, know that there's no glory for God in that. And there's no forward progress. No one's coming to Christ in the midst of that. And so we want to always be, be mindful, be careful. We live in a culture where there's distinctions and differences. There are things that I differ on and with different people, but I'm, I'm careful about, you know, going public or, you know, confronting people in a way that would be divisive for the church. You know, there are guys that I'll get at them one on one. We'll chop it up. Um, but I don't want to be a part of dividing up Christ with one body. It's just not a good look. I hate to see Christians bashing Christians in social media. And it's like, he's a Christian. He just is doing something, you know, a different way than you do it. Now you're bashing him. So any non-believer looking in, it's like, look at him. Look at that. Who wants to be a part of a family where y'all stab each other in the back? Nobody. That's not a good witness. It doesn't glorify God. Be careful that, to not be wrapped up in that. So because of our scenario today, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got, just a little section right here I want to cover, and I'm going to wrap it up. But I see some of y'all are some of y'all are burning in this heat, and I love y'all. So look at 12 and 13 with me, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. We'll, we'll finish up the, the unity of the body next week, uh, hopefully inside with some AC if need be. Look at verse 12 and 13. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit... We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, 
and have all been made to drink into one spirit. This is what I want to close with. And I preach this all the time. Paul is making it clear. The word that you hear over and over again, there is one. One church baptized into one body, one spirit. And God is just really pointing out the fact that we're to function as one. But he said something important. And it would have been a big deal in that culture. He says, whether Jews or Greeks. In that culture, there was extreme racism and division between the Jews and non-Jews, the Greeks or Gentiles. Jews, the normal process of a Jew or thought for the Jews is that Gentiles are just here to stoke up the flames of hell. They thought Jews, Gentiles were good for nothing. The Jews would pray. They would pray, thank God that I'm not a, because they had also a, a poor view of women. Thank God that I'm not a woman, that I'm not a Gentile. Um, that, that they would pray. They would thank God that they were not these, that they were not a Gentile. So uh, I just pointing out there was extreme division there. So we live in a culture right now in my lifetime. I think I've, I've experienced it recently more than I can remember in times past where there is racial division. And a lot of it coming up with the president candidates and all the junk that's going on that way. But you see all this racial division and people, you know, having opinions about that group and this group and the other. So I would say this to us as a body of Christ. Y'all know it's my heart that this church, our church, not be, my heart is not to be a, a, a cultural church in the sense of I'm not looking to minister to those that are just like me. Uh, I'm not looking to have an all black church. I'm not looking to have a church where black people are comfortable and other people feel like uh, we're on the others list. If it's a church that's functioning correctly, everybody's welcome. Everybody's ministered to. Everybody's built up. Everybody's loved. And it should be to the world. This should be a place where non-believers look in and say, look at all those different kinds of people. And they love each other. They don't, they don't have nothing in common. They got different cultures. They don't even, they eat different stuff. But look at them, they love each other. They're, they're, they're one. It should just, it should rock the world. It should rock them to look at a real church where you got different types of people, different classes of people, different cultures of people coming together, loving each other and loving Jesus together. I think it's a, I think it's a great witness. And that's my heart, that Jew, Gentile, Black, White, Hispanic, Asian, Cambodian, Jamaican, Haitian, whatever, that we would come together and if Jesus is Lord, then that's all that would matter, that Jesus is Lord, that I wouldn't have a preference for my people in a cultural sense because when I come to Christ, who becomes my people? God's people. This is the family of God. Jesus said, who is my mother and my brothers and my sisters? You know what he said? Those who do the will of my Father in heaven. That's true for us too. Who is my mother? Those through the will of our Father in heaven, the family of God. This is our family. And so as a family, we want to love each other. If you grew up with some of those mentalities and mindsets, you want to cast that off as part of the old man and let your mind be renewed in Christ to where you see that God's love and God's body is bigger than any people. And then that we wouldn't let the world influence how we view other people. That I wouldn't listen to so much of the world that I'm like, yeah, those people. And yeah, that group. And yeah, them over there. I got to see everybody for who they are through God's eyes. Sinners, they need Jesus. I don't care black sinners, white sinners, Hispanic sinners. When I see sinners, I'm not looking at a group of people saying that group of people is like this. Every There are people in every people group that do, they, they're sinners and they need Jesus across the board. So black sinners, because I'm black, they're not better. Well, we sin, but we sin, you know, justfully, you know. No, we need Jesus, you know. So I can't, that's what happens in the world, though. People start feeling like that group and that group. And we'll only see the wrong in other people but what happens the closer you get to Jesus, you realize that, man, we all need the same thing. I, I see people that need Jesus. 
And since I got Jesus, I want to be faithful to bring Jesus to everyone who will listen to me. I don't care what they look like. Amen. May that be our heart. May we be unique in the world and that we walk as one, that we be people that are impacted by Jesus in that way. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This book addresses the idea of confronting sin. Paul knew it was more important to hit the issue head on rather than skirt around it for the sake of being approved of by the majority. This is a hard thing to do when you know that tough issues will cause disruption in a church or even a breach in relationship. But what matters most, pleasing God or pleasing man? It's something to keep in mind as you continue to study this New Testament book. Can we encourage you as you strive to walk out a life of faith, even when it's unpopular? Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. We'd love to meet you. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You can even find links to stream our services if you're not able to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and may be hearing about Jesus for the first time? Pray that their hearts will be open to truth and change. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.